Shit We've Read is brought to you by Oblivion Geeks in partnership with Bilo Network. Please visit shitweavered.com to support the show. Now, let's talk about some books. Hello and welcome to Shit We've Read. This is Laura Benson and I am here with my co-host, Jason Rico. What's up? How's it going? I'm doing all right. How about you? I am doing well. I'm excited to be talking about another book after our uh, month hiatus. Yes. It was kind of long, but it kind of also went by really fast. Honestly, I could I could probably use some more time to get my life in order. But, you know, at the same time, I, I, I want to talk about some books. So, yeah, it's hard to put off reading and talking about things, <laughs> especially this book. I feel like this book is one that we're definitely I, I need to talk about to process. Yes. So those of you listening, we're going to be talking about the book Piranesi by Susanna Clark. Um, it was very interesting. So I'm excited to get into that with you, Jason. Me too. Um, but before we do that, um, let's let's talk about some of the other shit that we've read recently. Um, yeah. Have you been reading anything before this one? Um, yeah, before this book, I finally got around to reading The Martian by nice. Andy Weir. Um, most of you will probably know it because um, it was adapted into a film with, um, what's that actor's name? <laughs> It's only blinking. Very popular. Wow. Matt Damon. Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. There we go. I'm sure he's not listening to this. He's not offended. <laughs> um, if you are, I'm sorry, Matt. Um, anyhow, uh, it's been a book on my my read list for years. And I finally got around to it and I really enjoyed it. It's definitely up my alley. I love sci-fi. It's, um, it's technical in a way that makes it interesting. Um, but also because I am not. A rocket scientist i'm not an astronaut or an astrophysicist or any of that it sounds legit to me i'm like yeah okay i buy this i don't know what you're saying but i accept them um it so it's like was it like it's kind of hard sciencey but just easy enough for us to understand yeah it definitely uses legit i mean what i assume is legit science um but not in a way of like, oh, well, we're going to explore what it's like to travel through black holes using real science. It's more like, oh, there's a hole in my habitat that I need to patch up using stuff that I would have actually with me. And so I use that science. Or how do I convert? Um, how do I create water out of nothing? Well, let's talk about that science. So it's very kind of like mundane hmm. science, but still hard science. Cool. Yeah. It's on my list. I'm you should read it. I think you'd it, really like get it. To it. Yeah, really I, like well, it. I have Andy Weir's um, most recent novel too, mm-hmm. um, Hail Hail Mary. Yeah, Project Hail Mary or Project Hail Mary. Yeah, so I I have that too. Um, so I'm excited to to read both of those though. Yeah, me too. I got to read that pretty soon. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I um, I just finished reading The Exiled Fleet. Um, which is the second book in the Divide series. The first one was um, The Last Watch uh, by J.S. Dewes. Um, I actually got the advanced reader copy of the second book again, um, this time from NetGalley. And uh, so I was able to, to fit that in before it was actually released. And I absolutely loved it. 
it um I would say it was probably better than the first one mostly because we got a lot of really good character development and it had a good balance of that character development with action uh and it really it really progressed through the story really well and uh, I want to say I I will admit there were a couple of times when I kind of started crying <laughs> and I even messaged the author on Instagram and I was like, girl, why you got to make me cry while reading this? Yeah, baby. <laughs> but I, I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm going to assume there's going to be another book just by the way that it ended. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, very much looking forward to seeing what is going to happen next with all of these characters. Awesome. So, and then uh, I just started another book. I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but I want it. I want to say it's called Finna, Finna or Fina. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, it's, it's this short, like less than a hundred page book by Nino. Ke- I don't know how to pronounce his name. I apologize for butchering it. Nino Kipri. Nino Kipri, and it's kind of this like multiverse story surrounding a store that is pretty much based on Ikea. (laughs) All right. (laughs) It's really weird. It's got some really interesting quirky characters in it. Um, It's pretty cool. One of the characters is non-binary, so we get to, you know, learn a little bit about um, what that character is goes through being by non-binary um but it's 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 really fun so far i just wanted something really quick that i Mm -hmm. can read in like a few days (laughs) nice so working on that right now yeah i'm actually probably gonna start reading the same thought process you had but just like different um couple graphic novels one's called uh eternity uh divinity and the other one's called Trinity. I'm blanking on them. I'm blanking on the names, but it's it's <laughs> it's about space, and uh, I think like an explorer goes out to space, and then comes back with like godlike powers. Um, wow. Yeah, um, I, it's been on my list for a little bit. I kind of want to read something short too, so probably going to read that. Um, nice. I will have a more definitive answer for your, you, Laura, later. <laughs> what <laughs> okay. it's called. <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing what you thought about it. Whatever. It's titled. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Um, well, maybe maybe we should get into talking about our book. Yes, let's please do um, that. Let's see. Again, the book is titled Piranesi by Susanna Clark, and it is a fantasy book. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, a, a fantasy book this time. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Not- <laughs> Um, we double checked this time. <laughs> I I was scared. Maybe it wasn't because as I was reading it, I had a couple theories. I'm like, man, if this turns out not to be fantasy again, I'm going to be so disappointed. But it is. <laughs> it was. Well, um, would you like to read the synopsis for us? Sure, I could do that. All right. This is the synopsis on Goodreads. Piranesi's house is no ordinary building. Its rooms are infinite. Its corridors endless. Its walls are lined with thousands upon thousands of statues, each one different from all the others. Within the labyrinth of halls, an ocean is imprisoned. 
Waves thunder up staircases, rooms are flooded in an instant. But Piranesi is not afraid. He understands the tides as he understands the pattern of the labyrinth itself. He lives to explore the house. There is one other person in the house, a man called The Other, who visits Piranesi twice a week and asks for help with research into a great and secret knowledge. But as Piranesi explores, evidence emerges of another person, and a terrible truth begins to unravel, revealing a world beyond the one Piranesi has always known. Uh, I was uh, very intrigued when I first read this synopsis, Mm -hmm. but also like very confused because I didn't know what this was going to be about other than this weird house. Yeah, those are kind of the best synopsis, I feel like. It's, It's enough to hook you to pique your interest, but also I don't really know what I'm getting myself into at all. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm in. Um, one of the other reasons I was excited to read this is because um, I've heard of this author before. She's um, really popular for a novel she wrote called Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Um, it's, it's a longer book. I haven't read it myself. Um, I'm sure the fact that it's kind of hefty has <laughs> scared me a little bit in some ways, um, but it was adapted into, I think, a mini series on, on some streaming service or BBC or something. Oh, okay. Um, but I know that got rave reviews. And so when she released this one, and then it was only 245 pages, I'm like, oh, psh, easy. I can read this easy. So um, <laughs> so that definitely helped pique my interest in this book as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what did, what did you think of it overall? I enjoyed it. It, it It's funny because um, I've had multiple discussions about the kind of reader I am. And, and the way I uh, consume books. Um, I don't always latch on to all the little details of books. Like for me, it's mostly about the plot and like the overall story arc. So if they give a character description, sometimes I just kind of gloss, gloss over that because in my mind, that's not as important as I just want to know what happens. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people, they consume all those little details. They love, you know, really feeling what it's like to be in this room. What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What are the textures, the sights, the sounds, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not that kind of person usually. I'm just like, what's going on next? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, That said, there are a couple books I've read. This one is among them that is almost um, lyrical in its writing in that it's kind of just a mood. This book for a while, it, it, it didn't really... I would say go anywhere, not in a bad way. Just, it was just this feeling, this dream, this almost like a poem. Um, And I loved it. I loved it for that. Um, And then eventually maybe about halfway through the story starts picking up and it starts going somewhere and then you get the mystery and all that kind of stuff. It starts unraveling. But for that first half, it was this really pleasant to, to be in this world, this, this house that Piranesi lives in. And his description of it and, the, you know, all these statues on these tides coming in and, you know, the waves crashing on stuff and and, and the birds. And yeah, it's really it was really pretty. Um, and then once the story gets going, it's great. Um, I liked it overall. Um, yeah. What about you? I, I also liked it overall. I, uh, I it was very poetic. Mm hmm the way that um, everything was described. And um, 
you're right. The, there was a mood just you you got into this certain mindset reading it. Um, and it was it was interesting because um, I mean, I'm used to like, you know, the sci fi fantasy stuff where yeah. like things are super fast paced and um, action and fighting and all that kind of stuff. And so that gets you like sometimes will get you in the mindset of like your blood's pumping, you're on the edge of your seat. Um, but this was was uh, it was calm, but just enough mystery going on, and again poetic. So the the way that the the way that uh, Piranesi described things um, kind of made you feel like you might actually be there, mm-hmm. um, enjoying the same things that he was enjoying or studying the same things. Um, so it was definitely a different feel and pace than what I'm used to, but I really liked it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was very well written. Um, and it, it puts you right into this world right away. There's no introduction to the world. It's just page one, you're in Piranesi's world and it's Piranesi describing what it's like to live there and, and his thought process and his, his habits. And, um, this is day to day. And so right away you're, you're in this world and, um, I thought that was really great. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, well, any other first impressions before we jump into spoiler territory? Um, I, Piranesi was an interesting narrator. Um, he, he was very simple. Child, You know, in a lot of ways. Yeah, very childlike, but he's not a child. He, um. This might be just a slight spoiler. It's not a huge one, though. But he describes himself as he thinks. He's not even sure. He's a he's a very unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> very much so. Uh, he says he thinks he's about thirty or so, mid thirties. He's not positive, so he's not a, he's not a child. And I don't mean simple in that he's childlike. Not he's he's not like a Forrest Gump character. He's just he has his processes. He has his thought processes and the things he does. And he accepts this world for the way it is. Um, and so you like him right away because he's just so innocent, mm-hmm. but also you, you know, there's more to it. You don't, you know, you don't know if there's more to him. You don't know if there's more to this world. Is there a reason why he's this simple? There's this, there's this more. And, and that's what kind of really hooks you. Um, it almost feels like this book, you're floating in the middle of a lake. And it's very pretty. And it's, maybe it's at nighttime. There's, it's starlit night. You know, you get this really nice breeze. It's a nice, cool evening. You see the stars. The, the, the sounds are really pretty. It's very tran- tranquil. But you know that this lake is very deep. And there has to be more down there. And it kind of unnerves you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you want to just enjoy floating, but eventually you're going to find out what's down there. <laughs> Is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. We'll find out. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, do you want to do you want to go into more detail now? Well, before we before we jump into like really spoiler stuff, is there anything right at the gate that you didn't like? Not, not necessarily. I think uh, I, I, I honestly have no idea why 
But for some reason in my mind, I was just constantly picturing this as like a historical fiction uh, novel. So when I'm picturing the characters or the house, I'm picturing something kind of like what our Zoom backgrounds are right now. Yeah. (laughs) Those of you who can't see, um, it's like, you know, giant pillars and classic statues of people and things and just, you know, grand. And um, it really... I kept having to remind myself this is happening within the last like 10 years. Um, the story specifically with mm-hmm. Piranesi. Um, and so I'm picturing like old, older style suits and things like that. And I kept having to change my, what I'm picturing to be present. Um, so that was really hard for me. I don't know if you were picturing that. Maybe it was just the mood, like you were saying, just the way that like it made you feel while you were reading it. Maybe that's kind of what I was picturing because I, of that. I, I think I pictured pretty much the same thing you did. And and I'm sure that was how did I put this? I mean Piranesi describes all these these statues, and there's there's lots of different statues. Um and columns and waves crashing on staircases and and because there isn't really much mention about quote unquote modern technology, I think your brain automatically goes to a time where statues were very prevalent and columns and all these staircases and stuff. And that would be kind of, you know, classical era. Um, so I definitely picture that too. Um, also, I'm sure in the back of my mind, Piranesi kind of seemed like a, a castaway a little bit um mm. and so i kind of pictured a, a classical pirate era like castaway not someone now in jeans and converse wearing you know a graphic tee uh washing up on a shore somewhere <laughs> um yes it was very interesting i it was very interesting um trying to make sense of this world because it doesn't start off very clear when it takes place although eventually you do find out it takes place modern era um but but the timing convent like the the way time was kept was very confusing for me yeah um, again maybe slight spoilers um but piranesi when he keeps his journals he doesn't say you know march 2nd 2021 he says like the second day in the second month that the albatross came to visit or something like that you know it's like, what? What does that mean? I have no concept of what that's like. There's no frame of reference. And each mm-hmm. year is different. It's a different description. Um, and so it was very confusing. And I think that maybe contributed to the fact of like, well, it's easier for my mind to wrap itself around the idea of this taking place a long time ago as opposed to now. Yeah. So any anyone listening who has not read this yet, um, the the book is basically journal entries. Uh, by Piranesi. Um, so that's another reason why he's an unreliable narrator is you're, you're getting one side of the story. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. Um, and it took me a while to grasp the 
the pace and and the dates, like you said, the way that he dated things was not traditional. And I kept I when I realized what it what it was doing, I started keeping closer eye on what the dates were because I thought maybe it would have something to do with the begin with with the end or one of the mysteries or like you know, maybe he's missing a day and he doesn't know why or something like that. And so I I was like paying extra attention to what date he was ty- was writing in. Um, but <laughs> it was like, it was so hard because of the way he was describing it. But, you know, I think that's also part of the overall story of, of who this character is. So. Yeah, here, know. I pulled up, I pulled up an example. This is the way the book starts. Part one, the very first chapter. Um, his first entry says entry for the first day of the fifth month in the year that Albatross came to the Southwestern halls. It's really like, what? (laughs) Okay. So it's day one of the fifth month. I mean, is that, is that May? I don't know. But the year that Albatross came to the Southwestern halls, I have no idea what that means. And eventually you realize there's, he has his own, his own way of keeping time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which just adds to the mystery and, and right away started formulating some theories in my mind. So should we, uh, should we get into spoiler territory? Probably. Cause I want to keep saying stuff, but I feel I know, like it's more I know. spoiler. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> everybody who's listening, be warned. We're going to spoiler territory. If you do not want to go in there with us, turn back now. This is your chance. <laughs> All right. Spoilers go. <laughs> First of all, I'm I going back to the date thing. I am yeah. glad that there was a journal entry that explained the dates. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so we, I think, I think we have a few, a few different entries before he goes into detail about how he's labeling these dates. Um, so once you learn that, it started to make a little more sense, though it was still very confusing that everything was written out um it was literally spelled out so instead of saying you know the first the number one first day in the fifth with a number you know it it, it got really complicated having to read it versus be able to just glance at it and see a number yeah at least for me um eventually i'll be honest i stopped really paying attention to the dates um <laughs> i know you said you paid extra attention because you felt like they're be important i was like i'm not gonna keep track of this i, yeah, I don't want to spend I, my time <laughs> i got towards the end and i was like i don't think i needed to really figure this out <laughs> but at the same time you know it did kind of help me get a better idea of of uh, like the time that's happening between each entry um like i think if i remember correctly i think this book is over the course of like two or three months i could not tell you <laughs> time time just didn't exist for me in this book you I, were like oh new entry <laughs> yeah i was like whatever let's it, see it, it's kind of like in sci-fi you know when there's alien species and they they have their own name for months or, or time yeah. periods, whatever. Like we talked about this briefly when we t- discussed The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. There was, you know, 10 days was their equivalent of a week. And um, 
and I, I don't know, but other, other example, you know, a cycle was like, well, a cycle usually means a year. So you just kind of accept that this is the way time is told in this. It's a layer that makes this world feel more real, but I don't need to learn it. I'm not going to use this on my day-to-day basis. <laughs> if it turns out to be important later on and I miss it, oops, but... Oh, well. You know, <laughs> luckily it wasn't. <laughs> uh, so I just, I, I looked at my book really quick. It starts on the first day of the fifth month and then ends on the first day of the 10th month. Um, well, actually, it doesn't technically end... But that's when his dates end that way. And then it jumps to our regular um, dates in the end of November. So roughly half a year is what I'm estimating. Okay. Um, But uh, again, like that helped me kind of at least a little bit keep track of what was going on. Um, it's not like things were happening quick every day or, or whatever. Cause there were sometimes days or even, I think a, t- a few times there were like a week or more between entries, which is nice. Cause it kind of made you also feel, you know, it made it a little more realistic, uh, learning what Piranesi was doing every day or week or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I did really appreciate the the very beginning entries where he kind of laid down uh, the way he keeps inventory of the world, uh, in particular with the the people in the world. Um, th- that well, there weren't really chapters, but that those those entries were really interesting to me and started formulating some theories right away because he talks about like the first person is is him myself. Um, and then the second person is the other, the other person he knows who meets with t- twice a week. And he started listing all these remains of people who he, you know, he keeps track of them, but they're not with them anymore. Um, or I guess they're never really with them. He just came across all these skeletons. And so he keeps mm-hmm. track of them and, and still honors them and takes them gifts and talks to them and stuff. And I thought that was really sweet. Um, and then the last person in that journal entry was, uh, person 16 and and he says you because he's keeping journals like whoever's reading this you are number 16 yeah and then right away i was like wait whoa, whoa. but i'm reading this right now i thought that too am i am i person 16 is this gonna get like (laughs) some like some really like weird meta storyline because i am all for that and uh it didn't really go that way but it's fine (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) so normally we have like a list of questions or topics that we want to go into and we kind of follow that, but this book is just like, it's so weird. It's hard to know what topic to talk about first or in like what order to talk about them in. Yeah. And weird Um, in a good way. (laughs) Yeah. Weird in a good way. So there, like I said, like we've been saying, there's a lot of weird stuff about like this house and things that he sees or, or um, you know, there's a simple fact that he actually doesn't know who he is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any memory from before or where, like where he came from, if he was always there. Like he, the only thing I feel like he like really knew, which was still not 
like 100% was that his name isn't Piranesi. Right. Yeah. Let's explain that. So the other, the other person who's in this house with him, the other calls him Piranesi. Um, but, but the, the main character, he, yeah, he's very clear that that's, I don't think that's my name. I'm pretty sure that's not my name. Um, yeah. But he just goes with it. He's just yeah. like, okay. Um, but I, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways people have interpreted this book. Mm-hmm. If you are taking it at face value, um, this is a some kind of magical weird dimension. Yeah, it's, world? It's, a, it's some other realm of existence, uh, or maybe maybe like a Narnia, um, or like a Fillory Wonderland, something like that, possibly. Um, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah, we. Well, I mean, like it kind of goes into it. Um, later oh yeah later on we can find out but initially we don't know we just... yeah so like it, it just you, you get little things here and there that happen so like there's the one time when um Piranesi was walking through i think the first vestibule and he like heard this weird noise or saw something in some corner or something of this section and he goes and looks and he hears these people talking like about their boss or something and footsteps and then they like walk away and then it's just like it's gone and i was like oh is this a different dimension or like is he in an experiment or you know what what were your what were your assumptions going into this like obviously we went into it thinking this is a fantasy sure but obviously there's different types of fantasies. Yeah. We don't exactly know what we're getting into. When I like what what were you thinking when you were seeing these or reading these little things that were happening? Um that implied what might be going on. I had two running theories that kind of connect and and, and I'll get to that. But the first theory I had was um this is if anybody's ever read The Sandman by Neil Gaiman I thought this was some sort of um, literal dream-like area. This was kind of like a crossroads of people's dreams um, that you know you come in and out of and stuff, and you know all these different hallways and all these different vestibules and rooms and corridors. You know, just dreams. You come in and out, and then you go back. You wake up, and it's fine. Um, but I was thinking maybe Piranesi and the other, or maybe people who somehow got stuck there or chose to never leave. Um, you know, some people can't or choose not to cope with real life. And so maybe they were choosing to live in this dream world more than their own reality. And then that then kind of connected to um, another theory I had um, about this being, this existing in Piranesi's head um, and kind of connecting to mental health. Um, I, I, I am not, I'm not an expert on mental health or mental um, illnesses by any means. So if I get anything wrong, please forgive me. But I was wondering if this was perhaps some sort of, um, I guess, schizophrenic kind of break he had, and he lives in this world. Like, you know, if, is he insane? Is he, is he in some sort of mental institution? And this is where he exists. Um, and then one of the things that kind of led me to think that, which I mean, I'm not going to ask you um, if you kind of picked up on this or what do you think is 
later on we meet um, a third person that Piranesi refers to as the prophet, um, which at first you think maybe this is the person 16. Piranesi keeps talking about there's a 16th person, but eventually the others are like, no, it's not the 16th person. This is a different person altogether. And so we refer to as the prophet. And the prophet's talking to Piranesi and he's explaining to him kind of a little bit of his life and how he got to this world and how he's enemies with the other and that the prophet himself has gone to jail for things that he admits to doing. Um, and so right away I was like, well, we have Piranesi, we have the other, and we have the prophet. Are these the three parts of um, like the mind? Like, or do we have, is this like the id, the ego and the super ego? And so I started going down with that rabbit hole and trying to figure, work out that theory. Cause like, well, if you think about it and again, I'm not an expert, so maybe I'm getting this a little bit wrong. It's like, but like the ego is, is like the moderator that, you know, the, 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 the part of our mind that keep, is supposed to keep things in check. And so I kind of connected him to Piranesi. He's the one, he's our, he's our window into the story. And then the other is very kind of logical and matter of fact, and very focused on what he's doing and focus on his own goals. And so to me, that kind of represented super ego, uh, where he's trying to get Piranesi to focus on these tasks. Um, and then his opposite would be then the id, because the id is all about impulses and uh, desires. And so it seemed like the prophet who has gone to jail for doing stuff would be that. And so that was kind of the, my my running theory of this has to take place in Piranesi's mind. And each one of these characters is a different part of his mind trying to reconcile themselves. That's actually very fascinating. Um, very wrong, but <laughs> but well, I liked it at the time. Well, but, but still, like I so I didn't really think of it initially as possibly being in his mind. Um, I mean, as I was reading it. Uh, but I think, you know, that kind of concept um, kind of makes sense if if that is what's happening. Um, I think one of the other reasons that that potentially could have been the case is because you get the sense that Piranesi, the more he's in this world, the more he's forgetting about his previous life, whatever that may have been or mm -hmm. how he got there, especially with the way he keeps time, because it, he it, it starts off with him stating that he kept time, you know, very normally the way we do 2011 or whatever, I forget the exact years, but he marks it using the Gregorian calendar. And then eventually he starts switching to this new system where he says, you know, the year that the albatross came to the Southwestern halls. And so it seemed like the more he's there, the more he's losing himself and becoming part of this world. And so again, that kind of connected it to this, like, well, if he's living in this, dream world he's created for himself the more he's there the harder it'll be to pull him out yeah when i was i was kind of looking at um things on this book after i finished reading it that this this concept actually came up before um or a few times and the idea of again i don't i don't really know much about this either but the idea of maybe he has schizophrenia or some kind of split personality disorder um, might be a part of what's going on. Um, another one that had come up was um, 
he's trying to deal with some kind of trauma related to the prophet who I believe I'm blanking on his real name. Um, Arn Sales. Yes. Arn Sales. Mm -hmm. Um, And just kind of looking into what kind of person he was considering that he apparently imprisoned somebody before. Mm -hmm. And that is why Arn Sales was in prison. Mm -hmm. Um, So some of the theories had talked about maybe um, this house is some type of way to deal with some trauma that he is experiencing by being imprisoned. Um, Mm. And in relation to that, some, uh, some ideas too with 16 um, or Raphael, um, maybe she was a therapist and not really a police officer. Yeah. Um, I, so when I was reading it, I actually kind of, I drew some some parallels or or I kind of saw more of like an allegory for religion or if we want to go extreme cults. Yeah, no, just it's definitely um, there, yeah. Cuz there's a lot of references to like he just believes the house is going to provide for him. Mm-hmm. Um which I mean honestly technically kind of did happen. I mean, he always had something to eat. Um he always had had things that he that he needed for the most part. And like, he would find um, inner peace by going to certain statues or, or whatever. Um, And then just as he started coming to these realizations through the book felt kind of like, um, you know, somebody who was learning something that he was never taught in a religion. Um, And I, I say this because um, for you listeners, I actually come from a very religious family, and um, I personally have kind of gone through that that situation, and so I found a lot of a lot of ways to connect to it personally in terms of religion and learning things outside of the religion, and um, you know, feeling like I I got out in a way. Um, so it was really interesting to to be reading this and connecting in that way. Um, I I don't know if it's specifically supposed to be doing that um, or or making these kind of connections, um, but it was also kind of nice to 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 uh, see things um, in my own experiences in this book. Yeah. Now that you say that, there were a lot of, I would say, religious undertones throughout this book, but in a very like ambiguous way. I I couldn't make heads or tail what exactly I was trying to say, because like you say, Piranesi saw the house as I mean, let, let's just say God, right? Piranesi saw the house as God, and God will provide for you. Uh, Piranesi just had faith in the house, whereas the other was trying to find proof of God. Um, and so kind yeah. of in a weird way, like an anti-atheist, like, <laughs> like the other believes in a higher power, but I need to find proof of that. Um, it's not just, it's not enough to believe in it. I need to find tangible proof for of it because it'll then 
reward me. But Piranesi was very much like, no, you just believe this to believe. That's enough. Um, kind of going back to um, kind of this is simple take on life. Just, you know, you just respect the house and the house provide. That's it. Very interesting. Like it, there's, there's slight religion mm-hmm. elements in there, but not really in a way that says religion is good or bad or right or wrong. It's just, I don't know, belief and faith and stuff just exists yeah, in general. Yeah. So, so um, maybe not necessarily religion. Cause like you just said, faith, I mean, somebody can have faith in like any, in, in sure. anything. It's not just specific to religion. Sure. So, I mean, it, it could be, it could, it could be anything. It could be the job that you work at. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I get what, what you're saying with that too. Um, I did have a question for you um, as I was reading this, and maybe this is me reading way too much into it, <laughs> but did you find any parallels while reading this book and and um, the COVID-19 situation right now, the pandemic? And by that, what I mean is Piranesi is imprisoned in this world involuntarily. Just like mm-hmm. a lot of us are imprisoned in our homes because of the pandemic, we have to stay home and stuff like that. Um, Piranesi is doing great. He's staying calm. It's very nurturing for him because he's just keeping himself busy. He's keeping himself active with writing his journals, with exploring these hallways, with doing the research for the other. So he's thriving. Whereas all these other skeletons we've met in the past didn't survive because they just they didn't explore enough. They didn't do enough in their imprisonment to survive. <laughs> you're giving me this look. It's like, whoa, Jason, you're going real deep. No, no. See, I think, <laughs> no, I see, I see what you're saying with this. Um, I, I didn't make that connection um, until I read our notes. Um, I, I will I will point out um, really quickly. I don't know when this was written, but it was published September 2020. So mm-hmm. it was published while we were technically still in well, some of us were still in actual quarantine. Um, I I didn't make that connection. Um, m- just like maybe some people may not have made the faith connection that I did. Um, but I see it and, um, I don't think that's weird that you saw that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I, I honestly, like, I, I think maybe I didn't think about that because, um, before 2020, I was working like 24 seven and I was rarely home and I like being home and I like not being around people. (laughs) So it didn't necessarily feel like quarantine to me um, because it was nice to be at home all the time. But um, I do see the, the parallel between him being in all of these halls alone with only one person that he can see twice a week. Maybe that's just my inner... Having uh, to find things to do. <laughs> yeah, because not my new, my, my new apartment. 
Um, well, I mean, that's true. The, like, you know, these are all journal entries, but we don't have an yeah. entry for every single day mm-hmm. of what Piranesi is doing. Uh, so it's like sometimes he'll be like, oh, today I went down and I fished and then I, I went and I watched the tides. <laughs> and it's like, so that's all you did today? <laughs> um, but that's very much, I, I would say, probably very much like what what it was like for people during quarantine. You know, sometimes you wake up, you make breakfast, and you just watch Netflix, and that's enough. And that's you it. know, you know, you survive today. Good job. That's all that matters at this point. You just you got to keep getting to the next day. Hmm. <laughs> um. <clears throat> I will say, you know, we brought up a couple of times the, um, the other people, the remains. Yeah. Um. You had said that it was very sweet how Piranesi was taking care of them. Mm-hmm. It it really was like yeah. It, even he even to the point like there so there's a scene in the book where um, so Piranesi keeps track of the tides. So there's a part of the book where he realizes the tides are all going to converge at the same time and flood the area that he lives in of the house. And so he's like panicking. He needs to prepare and get all of his stuff to a, a safe area. And part of of his preparations was going and getting all of the remains of all of these people and moving them with with his belongings. And that was like that just the respect yeah. for these people. And um, they're not all in one place. They're yeah. like scattered. And so he has to travel, I quote unquote travel, walk all of these halls and vestibules and stuff to find or to go and get all of these remains. And um, I really liked how, even though we don't necessarily know who all of them are by the end, we kind of have an assumption of some of them. But he, you know, he's still like paying his respects to them including the other. Yeah. Even after knowing what he was doing to Piranesi. Yep. He still showed respect for him. I thought that was that was very um just very kind. And it, it mm-hmm. shows I mean we already know that he's a very kind, you know, innocent person. Um but even after the growth and you know understanding um, what he went through and who he used to be and who he is now, he still was maybe not necessarily forgiving, but still cared enough about the other and, and showing him respect. I mean, he even tried to save him during the flood. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously that didn't turn out very well. But he did his best to still to take care of him. Um, and it just continued to show that he is that type of person, even after everything that he's gone through. What was found interesting about this is um, the concept of a fantasy world that you escape to, whether on accident or deliberately. Um, sometimes the expectation is that this fantasy world is better than the real world, right? You're running away 
from your problems and going to a place where those problems don't exist. And I kind of got that in a very literal sense that this world, despite its nature, was very innocent, or at least he was very innocent within it. Because um, even once he realizes who he really is in the real world, Matthew Rose Sorensen and Raphael, the police officer, is like, hey, you have a family. You have loved ones back home who miss you. And he's like, well, they miss Matthew. I'm not Matthew. I don't want to leave mm-hmm. here. Like, this is my my world. Everything Everything's good here. It seemed like, he, yes, he is very forgiving. And yes, he's a very nice person. But I feel like... A lot of it's kind of denial. The, like he just, I don't know if he's incapable of really feeling the gravitas of certain things. But like, if if I knew I had family like who wanted me back home, to just say, well, that's who I was, who I am now lives here. I don't want to go home. And oh, this person wanted to kill me. They wanted to, you know, they wanted to offer me up to this bad guy. Yeah, but he's okay. I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to take care of his remains. And I just feel like so much of it was like, Piranesi, bro, you're not, you're not getting it. Like the world isn't so rainbows and sparkles. I don't know. I don't know if that was a deliberate choice on his part to ignore all that. If the world made him like that, it just just seemed like there was something missing for me. I feel like maybe... It was a combination of things because I, I get the, I get what he's saying. Like I'm not Matthew, but I'm also not Piranesi anymore. Um, he's like an entirely different third person, and I, 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 I'm, I feel like if I were in that kind of situation, and I'm told I have this family, and like I don't remember anybody, I don't know if I'm gonna ever get my memory back. I am who I am right now. Um, I would want people to be okay with that, you know? Um, Because it's true. He's not Matthew anymore. Maybe over time, if he started to actually get his memories back, like actually actual memories, not just like reading his journals, um, maybe he would be Matthew again. But... I I think that it, it it there may be a little bit of denial, a little bit of just innocence in there, but I I think, you know, he seems like he's still a pretty intelligent person and just has made this decision that this is who he is going to be. You say intelligent person and not that this is proof that he's not, but the first the first thing that came to mind was the part of the book where the other wants Piranesi to, to get some information for him. I forget what the specific information is, but he tells him, hey, I need you to go into these hallways and get information. And Piranesi's like, oh, um, I would, but, you know, there's, there's like, it's rough ground. I can't really traverse it. And the other's like, why not? He's like, oh, well, I lost my shoes. And the other's like, Oh, you, you need shoes? Why didn't you say anything? I can I can get you shoes. I just felt like it was so funny that part. It was like Piranesi, come on. Well, <laughs> he just takes things as they are, and he just he just accepts them. He's like, oh well, I don't have any shoes anymore. I guess I guess that's it. I'll well, try to way, make my own out of kelp and fish hide. I guess 
The way that I saw that was that he didn't want to over ask for things. Yeah. And he's also just like this is also part of the whole faith thing. Is he at this point he doesn't know that the other is coming back and forth between the house and our world. Right. So he just thinks the house is gifting the other things that he needs or wants and just giving the basics like food for Piranesi. So my the way that I saw that was he he is only getting things he absolutely needs from the other and he doesn't want to ask for too much or bother him because um, he thinks that the other is just so busy doing all the studying in wherever it is that he supposedly lives. Um, I, I just I just saw it as I don't want to burden him. But then we find out the other is is just getting stuff from here. And he's like, oh, you need new shoes? I'll bring them tomorrow. And he goes and he buys a box of tennis shoes. Yeah. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) So I I don't know. I wouldn't say that he wasn't intelligent for that No, I'm not saying that that was proof of him not being intelligent. This is definitely, I felt like him being very simple. It was like, I just don't have any shoes anymore. And that's just the way things are. <laughs> my man <laughs> but i mean at the same time i mean there's that there is that entry where piranesi lists all of the stuff that he's ever gotten from the other yeah and it's like a bunch of like random stuff and um it's like more bowls he gets a lot of multivitamins yeah and like a sandwich <laughs> right like a ham sandwich or something yeah he's yeah he gave me a ham sandwich <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny yeah um, that must have been a real treat for him, though, since he only really eats fish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just uh, it's funny that I'm that they included multivitamins because I was also thinking, like, how is this guy surviving on only fish and like clams or whatever? I don't think that gives a human enough um, nutrients overall. To keep and kelp. He's eating kelp too. Oh yeah, kelp. He eats kelp. Seaweed and which stuff. actually is um, very good for you and very sustainable. Nice. The more you know. <laughs> any any of my any of our climate change or uh, global warming listeners look into kelp. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> off topic. Um, do you, okay, so tor- so in the end of the book, we find out that, um, Piranesi or Matthew at this point, I, I, I think he goes by Matthew at this point. Um, he goes and he finds James Ritter, who mm-hmm. I believe is the gentleman that they found imprisoned in Arnsale's hidden room or Walls something. Walls or something, yeah. Um, and he takes him back to the house temporarily. And uh, James Ritter doesn't want to leave. But Matthew makes him leave with him anyways. And basically agrees to visit every so often and says, if I decide to ever go back and stay, I'll bring you with me. Do you think they ended up going back to the house? Permanently? Yes. 
it's hard to say. I, 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 I would say realistically, no, unless something big happened in life that made them want to leave. I, I, um, I keep kind of connecting it back to other stories of, of fantasy worlds like Narnia and stuff like that. Um, and these worlds exist usually for the kids because they need them. And then eventually, you know, you, you outgrow it or in certain cases, like the magicians, you know, the worlds kick you out because you're impure or you're too old or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my first thought process is no, they probably didn't go back to the house because I, I want to believe that they finally adjusted to real life and were able to live their current lives. But also knowing how appealing it might be and maybe there's always going to be a part of them that wants to go back to the simplicity of that life. Maybe something big happened. Maybe they lost a loved one or they got fired from a big job or go through a big breakup or something. Maybe something it's going to make them, you know what? F this. I'm out. I'm going back to the world. <laughs> you know, it's easy. There. I'm just going to fish and wander the halls and that's it. So that's my, my long answer. What about you? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like they probably eventually did go back because I mean, James Ritter hasn't been in the house for, I don't know, a few, a few decades at this point. Because they found him a while ago, right? Again, I didn't really keep track of the timing. So I would, <laughs> I'm no yeah, helper. I think uh, I think James Ritter has been gone for a while. Um, gone, I'm meaning not in the house. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, it, it sounded like originally um, he was doing okay, making a life for himself back in the real world. And then when Matthew went and found him, it sounded like he was not doing very well. And, you know, I feel that um, the house gave them this sense of peace and um, just, you know, a simple life that maybe, maybe towards the end, maybe of their lives, just in general, they were like, I'm ready to just live out the rest of my life in, in, solitude <laughs> with each other in this house that just continues to provide for us. Well, in one, one, in one reason, I will say one reason Matthew doesn't let James stay by himself is that James was never able to provide for himself. Um, uh, Arn sales always had to bring him food, I believe. And so Matthew is saying, you can't stay here. I would need to be here to help you uh, survive, basically. Um, so that that just explains why James was like okay with it. Like he he wouldn't be okay by himself there. Um, though I'm sure he would like to be there by himself. He wouldn't survive long. <laughs> um, true. True. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like if they're if they are searching for that peaceful life, um, they would have gone back. But right, this very much. 
I'm changing my answer. They probably went back. Yeah. Honestly, the way you're talking about it, they probably went back at some point. Well, I mean, they, they, I mean, again, they talk about visiting. Um, even, even Matthew and Raphael talk about going and visiting. And he tells her, you can't disappear. Do not stay there long. You have to come back. Uh, so there must just be something about this house that gives all of these people this sense of peace um, that we don't get in our real world, I guess. Um, it's, it's very much like, uh, this, this, this kind of reminds me of the concepts behind, um, like the end of Inception with the spinning top. Never watched it. You never watched that? Never watched it. Jason, like every episode. (laughs) There's always something I haven't watched. (laughs) We're going to need to watch that now. Now I can't talk about it because I'm going to give you spoilers. No, go like at this point, if it's spoiled, it's spoiled. I don't care. <laughs> well, it, it, there's there's a, basically there's this concept of of um, an inception where every person has something that helps them know if they are inside of a dream or in the real world. And so the end of inception has this shot where you don't know for sure if this character is in a dream or not. And I I don't know if they've ever confirmed it or not. Um so at least for for a long time people have always just debated how it really ended. Um so this this very much reminds me of that. Um and then kind of going back to the um the idea of him maybe being in his head. Uh, kind of reminds me of the movie um, Shutter Island as well. It's like a, what are the what are these movies called? Psychological, Psychological thriller. thriller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which happens. Both of those movies have Leonardo DiCaprio in them. <laughs> but yeah, I going back to the topic. I do. I feel like they ended up going back someday. No, I mean, I, you make a valid argument, so they probably did, honestly. Maybe they brought Raphael with them. Yeah. I don't know. Um, was there anything else that stood out to you? Or any questions? Um, the biggest question I had was, you know, what, what is this world? Like, what's the point of it? Where does it exist? Um, and, you know, I don't know if that's ever meant to be completely understood. Um, yeah. It, it it kind of, it went into it a little bit about what this house was, but not a lot. Not enough to really fully understand. So, Arnsales had said something about how the house is the place where, I can't remember the way that it was described. It's like abandoned or forgotten dreams, forgotten thoughts, forgotten ideas go into this world, this house, basically. And so there were some really interesting concepts behind like the statues that were brought up that actually Pierre Nessie had asked um, Arn Sales, or the prophet. Um, and uh, when we we read about how Arn Sales even got there in the first place, figured out that this really did exist. Um, 
he actually mentions that when he when he gets into this specific mindset, like childlike mindset, he, he like all of these different doorways o- uh, appeared around him. And he knew exactly which one he wanted to go to. He wanted to go to this one where all of the forgotten ideas went. So he just completely ignored all these other doors. <laughs> like the nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm just like, the, so the few times that it had mentioned this, I was like, but what's in all of these other doors? What else is in existence in these different realms? Um, why are we only focusing on this one? Why? Why is this one important? Um, maybe I missed the answer somehow. Uh, I feel like I never got one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like this is one of those books where um, reading it again would provide another layer of understanding. Mm. Yeah. Um, whether Whether it's definitive answers or not, I don't know. But I think just reading it again after understanding kind of what things are, I think you would be able to just absorb a little more, make, make your own connections. And, and it is short, short enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's short enough to read again. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, let's see. What is this for anyone who hasn't looked? I think it's this, 245 pages. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, there's some blank pages in here. Yeah. Two, 245. So, Super short. It's generally a fairly quick read. Yeah. But it didn't feel it, it was it was meaty enough still. It, it it still had enough in it to make it feel substantial. Yeah. Which is interesting. And it mysterious. It didn't feel short. Yeah, yeah. Mysterious enough. Um kept you kept your attention. Yeah. Um I would say this is one of those books that um I was very eager to get to the end to to finish and get the the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, in a good way. It's not like I wanted it to be over. It's just like, oh, I can't wait till I'm there and understand what the hell's going on because there are a lot of questions and stuff. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I did too. Um, what What would you rate it? I would giving it some thought. At least a four, maybe a four point five. I'm not sure um, because like, I really enjoyed it. It was really easy to read, very beautifully written. The imagery was great. Um, the mystery was intriguing enough. You know, the, the little twists and turns kind of were enough to kind of keep you on your toes. But there, there is still there's something lacking in there to make me just like fully like love it and say it's one of my favorite books. I don't know what it is, um, but I'd probably give it like a 4.5. Yeah. Yeah, you. 4.25, uh, maybe. <laughs> I I would give it a four. Um, again, I, I did very much enjoy it overall. Uh, I, I would say there is still maybe something else lacking, kind of like what you're saying, that would push it up more than that. But a four, absolutely. Um kept my attention kept me wanting to figure out what was going on it, it normally i don't like to try and guess what's going to happen but this book i did and so i i was playing around with different theories trying to p- 
piece it together myself before I learned what was really going on. So that was kind of fun to be able to do that. So yeah, four. Um, on you know what I've noticed? Sorry, before we get to the Goodreads rating, you know what I've noticed? Every time we read a book for the podcast, um, if you finish it before I have, and I'm, you know, I'm debating what I want to rate it. Sometimes I'll go to see what she rated it just to kind of gauge if I'm in the ballpark. And you never rate them prior to us talking about them. I don't! <laughs> Ever. Which I understand. It was, damn it, Lori, I wanted to see what you <laughs> gave it so I can know <laughs> if four is too high or not. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, listeners, I don't rate the books right away when it's going to be for an episode because I don't want any of my hosts to know what I think of it yet. <laughs> I want to jump into this episode and be able to like share things as fresh as possible. Unless like, fair, if it's absolutely terrible, you will you will know ahead of time. That's true. You have made it very clear when you read books and you do not like them. Uh, to be fair, when we read Renegades, we both rated it pretty high, and then after we talked about it, you're like, you know what? Maybe you rated it too high. And so yeah. talking talking through books definitely can change your uh, your opinion of them a little bit. <laughs> Which is why I like talking about books so much because like I yeah, by myself, I think it's this. But after talking to you, maybe I was wrong. Well, yeah, because we get different perspectives from different types of people yeah. and and uh that helps to broaden um our 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 perspective as mm-hmm. well. So yeah. <laughs> I Yes, I don't. I don't do it until after we've talked about it. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyhow. So on Goodreads, it has an average rating of four point two out of wow, uh, seventy one thousand seven hundred and fifteen ratings. Oh, actually, that is a typo. It's an average of four point two nine. I forgot oh, the nine. Four point two nine. Yeah, so that was my my mistake. But yeah. How dare you? I know. I'm sorry, Susanna Clark. You deserve the extra 0. 0.09 on this book for sure. Yeah, that's closer to 4.3. Yeah. <laughs> so that's about in line where, where where we rated it. So Yeah. We're not too far off. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest. I I don't think I've read any books similar to this one. So I don't personally know of any titles to recommend do you have any cool thanks for bringing nothing to the table laura <laughs> well i i do have something but i want to get your books your okay, book okay. first all right to be fair you do read more sci-fi than than fantasy that is so true that i is understand true. if you came to a sci-fi book with no recommendations i'd be very disappointed in you uh yeah that would be very weird <laughs> <laughs> um okay i do have two recommendations the first one that came to mind was the starless sea by aaron morgenstern uh, so both of these recommendations I'm about to give are similar to Paranesting that they're very difficult to describe. It's not a very linear, this happens and this happens and this happens. So I'm going to read a little bit of the, the Goodreads synopsis instead of just giving you a quick two-sentence description. Uh, so The Starless Sea is a fantasy about, about a graduate student named Zachary who discovers a mysterious book hidden in the stacks. As he turns the pages, he reads something strange a story from his own childhood. Bewildered by the inexplicable book and desperate to make sense of how his own life came to be recorded, 
Zachary uncovers a series of clues that lead him to a masquerade party and through a doorway to an ancient library hidden far below the surface of the earth. What Zachary finds in this curious place is more than just a buried home for books. He travels twisted tunnels, darkened stairwells, crowded ballrooms, and sweetly soaked shores of this mysterious underground world, discovering his purpose in both the mysterious book and his own life. I'm interested. It's, it's again, this book is super beautifully written. It is. It reminded me so much of Piranesi in the in the sense that this character goes into this underground magical world where there are literally seas and oceans and ballrooms and pirates and lovers who pass notes between gates. And it's just, it, wow. it's this whole world existing in this, in this library. And you just don't understand how it all connects. Is this uh, in present time? I believe so, yes. Okay. Because if I remember correctly, the book starts with Zach. He's a, he's a, he's in school for video games. Like oh, video okay. game. Cool. Um, or, or, or at the very least, he just really enjoys video games. But um, he talks about his love of like 80s, 90s video games. Okay. So that's recommendation number one. If you like Piranesi, absolutely check this one out for sure. The second one is... Uh, is The Monarch Papers by C.J. Bernstein. Now, this is a two-volume fantasy adventure, although it's two books within a larger narrative. And the narrative itself, this is a little confusing, but kind of exciting, was part of an interactive experience using real people in the world. So this guy, the author, C.J. Bernstein, created this narrative, this mystery that people around the world using online forums and hidden clues in social media and all this kind of different things unraveled the mystery. And these two books tell that story. Like after it was all said and done, told the story. And what? the story it's yeah, and the story itself is about a journalist who um, seems to remember a book that no one else does. It's like if it's like if we like. This sounds familiar. It's like if you and I talked about like, oh yeah, Harry Potter, but no one else remembered Harry Potter. There's no record of Harry Potter. If you go to J.K. Rowling's website, there's nothing in there. It's like no, but I know this book existed, and there's all these people that seem to remember this book that somehow doesn't exist, and so that's the mystery, um, and that it relates to um, magic and the concept of magic existing in the world, but somehow it was erased from the world. So these people are trying to unlock magic in the world and unlock the mystery of this book and other books that seem to have disappeared. Uh, and they call those, they call that the lost collection. Jason, why you always got to be making my TBR list longer? <laughs> I'm sorry. What the heck? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was Super fascinating. I didn't even know this was part of an interactive experience when I first came across it. I think I just, I, got, I think I might have got a, like an Instagram sponsored post for it or something. And oh, I was like, okay. oh, this looks interesting. And it had this online quiz you can do where you got sorted into kind of like Hogwarts houses, but it wasn't a schoolhouse. It was like six different types of 
focuses. Um, And like, yeah, I love quizzes. I love magic. I'm going to do this. And um, yeah, the first book was like free to read or something. And then the second book was like, it's an ebook, I think only. It was like three bucks on Amazon. So super cheap. Okay. Uh, So no reason not to read it. And then it wasn't until after I read it. I was like, wait, this was part of a thing. This is a real thing? This is a real thing. Um, (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. So it's cool. Anyhow. Um, again, I don't have any book recommendations, but I will say, uh, the, the house in this kind of reminded me of some mobile games that I've played, which Jason, I have recommended to you a couple of times. Um, there are four games. It's called the room, the room two, Mm -hmm. the room three, (laughs) Let me guess, is it the room four? No. <laughs> Damn it. What the hell? Oh. It's the room old sins. Though yes. I believe it's technically the fourth. I am not positive. <laughs> oh, I've, I've not felt betrayal of this magnitude in such a long believe time. Believe me, it was really confusing when I was trying to find the fourth one because it was not pulling up in my search. <laughs> But I I will say they were really interesting. Um, it's basically it's kind of like an escape room puzzle type thing, um, but it's very it's got a very magical kind of thing to it. It's a little bit I want to say Victorian, um, but just reading Piranesi and the, all the stuff about the house kind of made me think of these games. Um, I. I don't know if they're free or not. I I believe two, three, and old sins. I think cost money. The room, the very first one, might be free, but I I would recommend it. Um, they're very interesting, good little things to to play, like when you're just trying to kill a few minutes here and there, or sit down and play it for a couple hours. I honestly have done that a couple of times. <laughs> I did play um, one, or at least part of one, and I, I did like it a lot. Yeah, it's cool. Um, one of them, I can't remember which one, one of them has a mode at the end. Like, once you solve the main the main mission or whatever it's called, you escape or something, they have a mode that you can continue playing it where there's other things that you have to solve in the room, um, but you have to solve it with no hints whatsoever and i've not been able to figure it out challenge mode (laughs) i think i found a few things in there um but i just i don't know what to do with with them after that and so i'm i haven't opened it in a while because i got frustrated (laughs) (laughs) but i'm gonna i'm gonna i i have decided i will figure it out eventually (laughs) So Jason, now you. you have to play them so that maybe we can. So I can get frustrated too. Okay. No, we can do it together. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Anyways, so again, uh, not I don't have book recs, but there's there's those games. <laughs> that reminds me, one more recommendation: watch the film "The Room," but by hey, Tommy <laughs> was it Wiseau or whatever. Nothing to do with any of these books. Oh my gosh! It's, it's just weird. If you haven't watched it, it's 
it's it. terrible <laughs> and hilarious. Yeah, watch that and then watch um watch the um The Disaster Artist? Is that the Disaster is? Artist, yeah. Which is supposed to be about the making of the room. Yeah. I don't know how true it is. Um but James Franco is like spot on as Tommy. <laughs> Oh, and it's it's a uh, it's his brother too, right? I think um, it's his brother playing his friend. Yeah, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, watch that if you haven't for no reason other than it's weird. that's not connected to this in any way. Other anyway, than it's whatsoever. <laughs> but do it anyway. All right, I think that's it. Yes, yes, I think that is it. Um, Jason, thank you for uh, making time to talk about this book. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think our next book is um, Mexican Gothic. Yep. So we will be back next month with an episode about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Excited for that one, too. Plenty of time to read Read that. Um, I believe they just released the paperback also, so you can get hardcover or paperback now perfect so um yeah that'll be that'll be fun to read um and bella romero will also be joining us for that episode again yay love bella so yeah it'll be fun is there anything else um just thanks for listening um if you enjoy us you know talking about the shit we've read i'll just ask that you maybe share it with a friend get some more people listening um maybe part of the discussion because it'd be cool to talk to some more people about these books that we read yeah and if you have read this book or if you've read any of the other books from our previous episodes let us know talk to us about them um we're on social media you can always comment yep. on on our posts yep all right well thanks jason i will i will be back here talking with you next month i will be here as well cool Thanks, Laura. See ya. Thanks, everyone. Bye. This episode of Shit We've Read has been an Oblivion Geeks production, hosted by Laura Benson and Jason Rico, with music by Joshua Chilton. To join the discussion on this and all other books we've read, find us at Shit We've Read on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For episode transcripts and more information about us, please visit shitweavered.com. This podcast is part of the Bilo Network. Visit bilonetwork.com for more great geeky podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening.